Good afternoon and welcome to a Euroactive debate supported by Alma Mater Europea, where we'll be discussing autonomous vehicles full speed ahead towards sustainable and digital mobility. I'm Rome Zaidi and I'll be your host for what will be most likely a very fascinating debate. A big thank you, of course, to everyone who is joining us online and a quick reminder that if you do have a question or a comment, don't forget to send it into our chat page along with your name and the name of the panelists that it's directed at. And I'll be picking out some of those questions for later on in the programme. So, of course, get involved. OK, so to our debate, autonomous or self-driving vehicles. Now, first things first, sorry to just disappoint everyone, but we're not talking about flying cars. I know it's really disappointing, but what we are discussing is the very real and tangible prospect of self-driving road vehicles. Now imagine it for a second, whether it's public transport or ride sharing, robot taxis, they pick us up and drop us off from A to B whilst also helping to reduce the congestion on our roads. So you could take that nap, you could eat your breakfast, catch up on perhaps a book you're reading on the early commute. So what's not to love, right? Well, here's also a fact by the WHO. Now, they say that road traffic um, kills almost 1.3 million people every year. So could a V perhaps be the difference? Well, the European Commission does have a strategy on connected and automated mobility, but, and it is a big but, safety is holding the charge back towards a V. There are big risks, as you would expect, in transitioning towards automation. And there are, of course, big questions over you know these cars mixing with with of course in traffic so the question that really is you know can we then move towards AV? let's ask our experts but first of all we are now going to go to our keynote speaker uh, mark boris andrejenik who is the slovenian minister for digital transformation uh, mr minister please do take the floor thank you so much Thank you very much for your kind introduction. Hello, everyone. Dear friends, it is an honor to be with you here today. And I'm delighted to have an opportunity to share some thoughts with you about a subject that I'm very, very passionate about. Of course, I'm talking about Europe's vision of transportation. This vision is based on a firm belief that the future lies in electric, autonomous, and shared mobility. Today, there are over 240 million cars on European roads. At the same time, transportation costs represent the second largest area of expenditure for European households. Now, according to the OECD International Transport Forum, autonomous and shared vehicles have the potential to decrease the number of cars on our streets by 90%. Now, imagine how our streets or our lives would look like, not to mention, mention, of course, our family budgets. And then there's this safety, safety issue that's been already highlighted in the very beginning. As we heard, around 1.3 million people die in traffic accidents around the world every year. Now, large majority of these accidents is caused by a human error. Therefore, autonomous technology at its very best has a potential to significantly bring down that number, perhaps even to zero. Now, Europe's vision of transportation was laid out in a number of documents, most notably in the European Commission Sustainable and Smart Mobility Strategy, as well as the strategy on connected and automated mobility. These strategies and a number of already adopted measures 
reflect the EU's commitment to become the world leader in fully autonom autonomous and connected mobility systems. But we are not there yet. And this is something that needs to be said. Despite the fact that the Europe's automotive industry is second to none, we have been lagging behind the US companies in the area of autonomous and electric mobility. If you look at the top 10 companies when it comes to autonomous mobility, you can only find one European. That's unacceptable. The good news is that the EU is ramping up investments in these technologies and the connectivity infrastructure supporting them. In addition to the Horizon Europe program, in which connected and automated mobility, of course, is a key priority, we also have the Connecting Europe facility, which provides financial support for the deployment of 5G corridors for experimentation and large-scale deployment of autonomous vehicles. However, since we are in the middle of a mobility revolution, there are not only technological, but also certain regulatory challenges that we need to address together. Firstly, connected and autonomous vehicles raise a number of issues around liability in the case of an accident, both when it comes to the liability of the driver, as well as the software and hardware manufacturer. Secondly, Connected cars will feed data to various driving-related applications. Therefore, data protection and access will become an even more important topic in the future. That's why cooperation between policymakers and industry is necessary from the very get-go. Thirdly, there is an issue of cybersecurity that is increasingly important in this, let's say, challenging times. Today, telecoms are supplying the connectivity to autonomous vehicles with the same kind of stand standards of network security around the EU. At the same time, intelligent road transportation system and cloud services provide the same kind of security that's mandated by the NIS directive. Now, a lot has been done in this area already, but more can and must be done to ensure cyber resilience of autonomous systems. Now, as a green and tech-savvy country located at the heart of Europe, Slovenia is passionate about contributing to the EU's mobility revolution. We proudly host UNESCO's first AI center, which develops AI-driven solutions for achieving the UN sustainable goals. As specialists in AI, we also have developed an AI-based driving evaluation hub that supports autonomous technologies. But no matter how ambitious we are as Slovenians or Europeans, we must understand the global nature of today's mobility space. That is why this conference is so important. Dear friends, autonomous vehicles will provide affordable mobility for everyone, giving back valuable time, unclogging our streets, and hopefully saving lives. I look forward to today's fascinating discussion. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you so much, Slovenian Minister for Digital Transformation. Oh, so, Mr. Androzhanik, then, um, you know, you were there talking, you know, some very good key points there, talking about the affordability factor, you know, the, the positive aspects for the environment, also talking about you know, the negative, cybersecurity, data protection, all these things that we really need to discuss and talk about if AV is going to be a success. 
But there was one thing I wanted to pick up on. You said that we're not there yet. So how far away is Europe uh, to making that transition when it comes to, I mean, how far away are they, for example, from the US? I think that's a great question and probably a billion dollar question uh, that nobody has the right answer to. But uh, we have been lagging behind in terms of R&D, especially within our automotive industry. Now, we have seen certain US companies racing ahead, be it Tesla, Waymo, and many others uh, experimenting and already deploying certain solutions in American streets in various US states. Now, of course, this is superbly encouraging because um, we can see that this technology works, that it is mature enough to be deployed at a larger scale. And uh, that can give us hope that we'll reach this self-driving revolution much sooner than expected. On the other hand, of course, we need to ensure that European companies are innovative enough to catch up. And that's why I think we've seen a lot of positive developments in the past couple of years, both when it comes to production of electric and self-driving vehicles. I think our com companies are stepping up, but much more will be needed because I believe that the green transition will go hand in hand with the self-driving technology, which means that we need to do both technologies at the same time which means that we need to invest more and we need to also put in place certain incentives at the national as well as the European level to make sure this technologies accelerate as much as possible. Now, the good thing is that some countries have been a bit ahead. Uh, we've seen great developments in this area in places like France. Uh, you already have certain testing grounds across EU where this kind of technology is being deployed. So a lot is being done. And now we need to accelerate these efforts to become number one. Talked there about having incentives um, at a national level. So what are the incentives um, for the Slovenian government then to get companies on board with AV? So I think broadly speaking, governments has, have two kinds of incentives. First is a favorable regulatory environment. And this is, I think, the number one thing. Uh, now, it's important to know that uh, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We've seen a number of very forward-looking pieces of legislation being adopted in the US. So we should try to copy the best practices uh, from across the pond. The second set of incentives is of course related to um, finances, meaning subsidies or tax breaks for R&D. And in this area, Slovenia is super ahead, I can say. We've uh, implemented a number of tax exemptions and tax incentives for um, investments in autonomous and other R&D projects. So we are becoming in this area, as well as in a number of other areas, one of the most attractive investment destinations. We're also holding talk with, talks with a number of large um, auto manufacturers uh, to make sure that we understand what they need to invest in high-tech testing centers here in Slovenia. And uh, again, we need to be better when it comes to the regulation, and this is something that can be done at the EU level as well. Uh, but when it comes to the financial incentives, we should also be more.
we should also do more. We're doing as much as we can, but of course, it's not about Slovenia, it's about the whole of Europe. Exactly. Um, now, just a last question, because I know that your time is quite limited. Um, you were talking there that Slovenia is, of course, talking to money. What about the private companies? Now, I know that you did work um, at Uber in another life. So, you know, given your history with them, how on board do you think companies like Uber will be moved towards automation? And especially when Uber is um, a hired company that's run with, you know, human drivers. So, how would you say companies like Uber would, would really be able to take up that challenge? Are they willing to? I think that's a great question. And uh, frankly, nobody knows how the future of mobility will, will look like. But I, th I firmly believe that it's going to be, you know, shared, autonomous and electric mobility all at the same time, which means that this different technologies go very much hand in hand. Therefore, there's enough space for companies like Uber and other ride-sharing providers uh, to basically facilitate this transition, which will not happen over time. And this is important to highlight because there's been a lot of, um, I would say, fears or skepticism. People were thinking that this kind of technology can get deployed literally overnight. Well, it can't. This kind of transition will last for years, if not decades. Um, I believe that, firstly, it will start in logistical sector. I think trucks will become automated sooner than private cars. Um, so this transition will be gradual, which means that even the people that uh, drive for a living will have plenty of time to basically adjust, retrain, and uh, find other jobs. So I, I'd say that... Uh, a lot of fears when it comes to self-driving technology um, are misplaced. But again, we need the technology that works. And I think we're very far at the moment, but we're not there yet. And then, of course, as I mentioned, we need the regulatory environment, which supports this kind of technology. And then in the end, we need people's trust. And trust is super important. I can tell you, uh, as you mentioned, I worked for Uber. And I took a couple of rides with uh, Uber self-driving cars in the US. And I can tell you from my personal experience, this was scary in the beginning. But after a couple of minutes, you become totally used to it. And in the end, I can say that you trust the technology more than um, yourself when you're driving. So um, this kind of people's trust will have to be earned. And again, this process will take time. It will. And it's interesting there that you say that you initially were quite scared. Um, okay, so Boris Androgenic, uh, Mark Boris Androgenic, um, Slovenian Minister of Digital Transformation, thank you so much for, for being part of this Euractive debate. Thank you so much. Okay, well, they have been waiting patiently, and we will now move over to our um, group of panelists. Um, and see what they, of course, think, um, not only about what the minister said, but the whole conversation um, surrounding AV. So let me introduce you to our panellists. And we have Gert van der Linden, uh, Policy Officer for Sustainable and Intelligent Transport at DigiMove at the European Commission. We also have Hannah Verkunin, MEP, and member of the Industry and Transport Committees at the European Parliament. Um, we also have Stefan Dix, the Director of EU Car, the EU Council of Automated R&D. We also 
also have Johannes Springer, the direction of 5GAA, um, an automotive association focused on the future of mobility and transportation services. And then lastly, but not least, um, we have Maggie um, Resource, who's the researcher at Barcelona Tech um, University as well. So thanks to all of you for, of course, being a part um, of our year active debate. Um, and now to understand who these panelists are, what they do, what their arguments are, I'm, I'm now going to give them the floor for a couple of minutes. Um, so first we'll go to Gert van der Linden from the European Commission. Please do take the floor. Thank you very much, Mariam, and, and thank you also for that fantastic uh, introduction. Uh, I heard so many things that I, I fully agree with, and so I will not have to repeat them. Uh, just to say that, indeed, the future, and, and I also don't have a crystal ball, so I'm, I'm not sure when this will all materialize, but it indeed needs to be both sustainable and smart. Uh, to put that into context, we will have achieved very little if the future would all be about zero emission traffic jams. We, we want to be smarter, we want to tackle all challenges in, in transport. And, and I agree, we have a lot of work ahead of us and there are many challenges, but I see them as opportunities. Uh, we, we, we know we can deal with this, uh, but one of the key elements to success will be collaboration. This is not something that uh, any company or any member state can achieve alone. It, it, we need to make sure that we think about how these autonomous vehicles will be used in the future and how they will improve mobility, how they will increase safety, how they will increase the inclusiveness of transport and how we will all become better served, spend less time uh, in traffic jams uh, and the likes. And for that, we've been working a lot on improving the situation. We, uh, I heard many uh, comments earlier on, for example, the uh, investment in R&D. And well, I, I'm glad to say that under Horizon Europe, we have created a dedicated partnership to work specifically on that. And we've earmarked half a billion euros of the uh, union budget to accelerating the research and development of autonomous vehicles. This goes together with uh, lots of uh, continued investments uh, through the, the Connecting Europe facility, which will, which is a lot of stuff that we can do today, which will help improve safety today and still help prepare for a more automated future. And finally, uh, one other action highlighted in the sustainable and smart mobility strategy is we've revised the ITS directive and we will work with member states to increase increase our ambition levels and get better and more accurate data available for drivers today and automated vehicles in the future thank you okay thank you so much um moving on to um hanover kunin mep um please do take the floor yes thank you so much and first of all i would like to also say that uh, the keynote speech of the minister, Andrei Janik, it was really brilliant. I think he was really outlining the most important issues to where we should focus, I think, in, in Europe. I have to say that personally, I'm a big fan of autonomous vehicles and I have been a little bit disappointed that the progress haven't been so fast. Five years ago, I was expecting that we are moving much, much uh, faster towards uh, autonomous vehicles. But of course, we know what is also the explanation for that. 
during the last years because of the COVID restrictions. We have had so many challenges with uh, logistics and so much restrictions um, in transportation and free movement. So uh, that there haven't been really, I think, appetite uh, to invest to autonomous vehicles. But hopefully now we can boost the investments in, in this area in, in Europe also. And the two main areas where I think that we need invest, investments and where, to where we have to focus, it's the technology and of course also the infrastructure part. And like the representative from the Commission said, uh, the tools, how we can support them in the European level, it's a, a Horizon Europe program and then also Connecting Europe Facility program. Uh, these, for example, these funds we can we can um, uh, use for these purposes. But of course, like Minister already said, the regulatory framework, I think it's the key really that how we can boost investments and innovations in this area in European Union. And uh, I think to where we have to pay attention now in the same time when we are boosting investments and making sure that we have good uh, legislative framework, it's really the trust to technology and their cybersecurity. Uh, is crucial and then we have to also discuss about the ethics uh, under which conditions so we are using these autonomous vehicles and also like it was said already the liability requirement uh, uh, and sharing the responsibilities and, and risks here and then also the data of course and it's part of the cybersecurity and part of the innovations that who owns the data and who is processing it and who is protecting the data. I think these are very important uh, uh, questions to where we have to focus now in, in Europe to make sure that we can invest, invest um, we can encourage investments and innovations in, in this field. Because like it was said already earlier, I think also that the autonomous vehicles, it's very important part also uh, decarbonizing, uh, decarbonizing our uh, transportation. And in the same time, I think because of the AI, we can also make our transport more safe in the future. So we can have more safe, uh, more environmental friendly uh, transport and I think also better for the people because in the future everybody doesn't have to own own car. We can also use that kind of sharing uh, services in the future. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much. And I can say I do not own my own car. I absolutely hate driving, so I'm all for AV. Um, okay, over to our next speaker. We have uh, Stefan Dix, the Director of EU Car, which is, of course, the EU Council of Automotive R&D. Mr. Dix, if you'd like to go, and, uh, go forward and give us your opening statement, please. Thank you, Mariam. Um, Yes, UCAR is the Research Association of the Automotive OEMs in Europe, and uh, we re represent, of course, the manufacturers uh, that are investing quite a lot in, in R&D per year, more than 60 billion euros, and uh, 11, more than 11% of our workforce is working in research in R&D uh, at the automotive industry. Now, um, of course, uh, our vision is to strive for sustainable, safe, uh, efficient and clean road transport solutions, providing freedom of mobility to all with benefits to users and the society. And the key element, as um, the speakers and the minister said, uh, connected and automated vehicle technologies in the future will provide prospects to support the Vision Zero targets, to reduce transport emissions and congestion, and provide individual mobility, particularly to those that were not able to use individual mobility. 
So uh, it will have a remarkable economic impact and um, it will shift uh, the design of uh, vehicles from uh, driver-centered uh, development towards a mobility user-centered development. Uh, and therefore, you can members drive these uh, developments and uh, the development of the technologies already for quite some time. Um, but I remember that uh, more than seven years ago, I, I said uh, automation uh, automation is, is not a sprint. It is going to be a marathon. We need a stepwise approach. We need to be very careful. And one of the key factors here is safety. Safety is the critical issue. We need to, we, we got to do it right. We need to do it right. Uh, and we need to improve road safety by addressing the human errors. Now, we need to consider all these safety aspects at each system level uh, and every development stage. So from the, from, the, from the design to the testing to the validation, we need to make sure that our solutions are safe um, to be used for the users. Now, um, what do we need to do concretely? We need to look at the current limitations of technologies uh, and uh, we, we look at this in different levels. So uh, the levels, the so-called so SEE levels of automation, but I will not go into detail here. What we need to work on is being able to have, um, to use uh, automation for uh, increasing the speeds. Currently, the limitation are uh, around 40 kph. So we need to look how we can increase the speed. We need to look at the operational domains, uh, the operational design domains, uh, and the complexity of the traffic system that the solutions can run in, and the limiting factors of the environment, so the weather conditions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all of these challenges we need to address, uh, and we need to do this together uh, across the industry sectors, across the research areas, um, not only the vehicle manufacturers, but we need to do it together with the public sector. We need to do it with the cities, with the road authorities, uh, and we need a partnership. And Kjad van der Linden from the European Commission already um, announced this. So this, this partnership for connected, cooperative and automated mobilities, of course, uh, a, a wonderful opportunity to work together with all the stakeholders on these challenges and make sure that we're able uh, in the coming years to implement automation. And I will stop here and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. Dix. And, you know, you bringing up their safety, that's going to be one of my first questions to all the panelists. But first of all, let's continue with our, um, with our um, panelists and their addresses. And next we go to Majay Wilgos um, from CBC Computer Vision Center, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems Department um, in Barcelona, Spain. Please do take the floor. Thank you for, uh, for a chance to, to be here and to, to share thoughts with you. Uh, I will be talking from the perspective of, of research and uh, development a little bit as a researcher. I'm uh, uh, quite optimistic about the future of uh, autonomous vehicles. Uh, nevertheless, I see a lot of challenges uh, related to it. Uh, the project that uh, I'm uh, dealing with uh, is, is related to, to corner cases. You mentioned about safety. Uh, the, the panelists also mentioned about safety. And I think this is the uh, critical component. And uh, uh, once we observe, for instance, the um, development of uh, Tesla vehicles, 
the promises uh, given by CEO uh, of the Tesla, Elon Musk, and uh, each year he promises uh, that uh, or next year will be the, 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 the time when Tesla Autopilot is, is, is to be like uh, in full operation mode. Good afternoon and welcome to a Euroactive debate supported by Alma Mater Europea, where we'll be discussing autonomous vehicles full speed ahead towards sustainable and digital mobility. I'm Rome Zaidi and I'll be your host for what will be most likely a very fascinating debate. A big thank you, of course, to everyone who is joining us online and a quick reminder that if you do have a question or a comment, don't forget to send it into our chat page along with your name and the name of the panelists that it's directed at. And I'll be picking out some of those questions for later on in the programme. So, of course, get involved. OK, so to our debate, autonomous or self-driving vehicles. Now, first things first, sorry to just disappoint everyone, but we're not talking about flying cars. I know it's really disappointing, but what we are discussing is the very real and tangible prospect of self-driving road vehicles. Now imagine it for a second, whether it's public transport or ride-sharing, robot taxis, they pick us up and drop us off from A to B whilst also helping to reduce the congestion on our roads. So you could take that nap, you could eat your breakfast, catch up on perhaps a book you're reading on the early commute. So what's not to love, right? Well, here's also a fact by the WHO. Now, they say that road traffic um, kills almost 1.3 million people every year. So could a V perhaps be the difference. Well, the European Commission does have a strategy on connected and automated mobility, but, and it is a big but, safety is holding the charge back towards AV. There are big risks, as you would expect, in transitioning towards automation. And there are, of course, big questions over, you know, these cars mixing with, with of course, in traffic. So the question that really is, you know, can we then move towards AV? Let's ask our experts. But first of all, we are now going to go to our keynote speaker, uh, Mark Boris Andrzejnik, who is the Slovenian Minister for Digital Transformation. Uh, Mr. Minister, please do take the floor. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for your kind introduction. Hello, everyone. Dear friends, it is an honor to be with you here today, and I'm delighted to have an opportunity to share some thoughts with you about a subject that I'm very, very passionate about. Of course, I'm talking about Europe's vision of transportation. This vision is based on a firm belief that the future lies in electric, autonomous and shared mobility. Today, there are over 240 million cars on European roads. At the same time, transportation costs represent the second largest area of expenditure for European households. Now, according to the OECD International Transport Forum, autonomous and shared vehicles have the potential to decrease the number of cars on our streets by 90%. Now, imagine how our streets or our lives would look like, not to mention, mention of course, our family budgets. And then there's this safety, safety issue that's been already highlighted in the very beginning. As we heard, around 1.3 million people 
die in traffic accidents around the world every year. Now, large majority of these accidents is caused by a human error. Therefore, autonomous technology at its very best has a potential to significantly bring down that number, perhaps even to zero. Now, Europe's vision of transportation was laid out in a number of documents, most notably in the European Commission Sustainable and Smart Mobility Strategy, as well as the strategy on connected and automated mobility. These strategies and a number of already adopted measures reflect the EU's commitment to become the world leader in fully autonom autonomous and connected mobility systems. But we are not there yet, and this is something that needs to be said. Despite the fact that Europe's automotive industry is second to none, we have been lagging behind the US companies in the area of autonomous and electric mobility. If you look at the top 10 companies when it comes to autonomous mobility, you can only find one European. That's unacceptable. The good news is that the EU is ramping up investments in these technologies and the connectivity infrastructure supporting them. In addition to the Horizon Europe program, in which connected and automated mobility, of course, is a key priority, we also have the Connecting Europe facility, which provides financial support for the deployment of 5G corridors for experimentation and large-scale deployment of autonomous vehicles. However, since we are in the middle of a mobility revolution, there are not only technological, but also certain regulatory challenges that we need to address together. Firstly, connected and autonomous vehicles raise a number of issues around liability in the case of an accident, both when it comes to the liability of the driver, as well as the software and hardware manufacturer. Secondly, Connected cars will feed data to various driving-related applications. Therefore, data protection and access will become an even more important topic in the future. That's why cooperation between policymakers and industry is necessary from the very get-go. Thirdly, there is an issue of cybersecurity that is increasingly important in this, let's say, challenging times. Today, telecoms are supplying the connectivity to autonomous vehicles with the same kind of stand, standards of network security around the EU. At the same time, intelligent road transportation system and cloud services provide the same kind of security that's mandated by the NIS directive. Now, a lot has been done in this area already, but more can and must be done to ensure cyber resilience of autonomous systems. Now, as a green and tech-savvy country located at the heart of Europe, Slovenia is passionate about contributing to the EU's mobility revolution. We proudly host UNESCO's first AI center, which develops AI-driven solutions for achieving the UN sustainable goals. As specialists in AI, we also have developed an AI-based driving evaluation hub that supports autonomous technologies. But no matter how ambitious we are as Slovenians or Europeans, we must understand the global nature of today's mobility space. That is why this conference is so important. Dear friends, 
Autonomous vehicles will provide affordable mobility for everyone, giving back valuable time, unclogging our streets, and hopefully saving lives. I look forward to today's fascinating discussion. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you so much, Ashley Minister for Digital Transformation. Oh, so Mr. Androjanic, then, um, you know, you were there talking, you know, some very good key points there, talking about the affordability factor, you know, the the positive aspects for the environment, also talking about you know, the negative cybersecurity, data protection, all these things that we really need to discuss and talk about if AV is going to be a success. But there was one thing I wanted to pick up on. You said that we're not there yet. So how far away is Europe? Uh, to making that transition when it comes to, I mean, how far away are they, for example, from the US? I think that's a great question and probably a billion dollar question uh, that nobody has the right answer to. But uh, we have been lagging behind in terms of R&D, especially within our automotive industry. Now we have seen certain US companies racing ahead, be it Tesla, Waymo, and many others uh, experimenting and already deploying certain solutions in American streets in various US states. Now, of course, this is superbly encouraging because um, we can see that this technology works, that it is mature enough to be deployed at a larger scale. And uh, that can give us hope that we'll reach this self-driving revolution much sooner than expected. On the other hand, of course, we need to ensure that European companies are innovative enough to catch up. And that's why I think we've seen a lot of positive developments in the past couple of years, both when it comes to production of electric and self-driving vehicles. I think our com companies are stepping up, but much more will be needed because I believe that the green transition will go hand in hand with the self-driving technology, which means that we need to do both technologies at the same time, which means that we need to invest more and we need to also put in place certain incentives at the national as well as the European level to make sure this technologies accelerate as much as possible. Now, the good thing is that some countries have been a bit ahead uh, we've seen great developments in this area in places like France. Uh, you already have certain testing grounds across EU where this kind of technology is being deployed. So a lot is being done. And now we need to accelerate these efforts to become number one. Talked there about having incentives um, at a national level. So what are the incentives um, for the Slovenian government then to get companies on board with AV? So I think broadly speaking, governments has, have two kinds of incentives. First is a favorable regulatory environment. And this is, I think, the number one thing. Uh, now, it's important to know that uh, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We've seen a number of very forward looking pieces of legislation being adopted in the US. So we should try to copy the best practices uh, from across the pond. The second set of incentives is, of course, related to um, finances, meaning subsidies or tax breaks for R&D. And in this area, Slovenia is super ahead, I can say. We've uh, implemented a number of tax exemptions and tax incentives 
for um, investments in autonomous and other R&D projects. So we are becoming in this area, as well as in a number of other areas, one of the most attractive investment destinations. We're also holding talk with, talks with a number of large um, auto manufacturers uh, to make sure that we understand what they need to invest in high-tech testing centers here in Slovenia. And uh, again, we need to be better when it comes to the regulation, and this is something that can be done at the EU level as well. Uh, but when it comes to the financial incentives, we should also be more. We should also do more. We're doing as much as we can, but of course, it's not about Slovenia, it's about the whole of Europe. Exactly. Um, now, just a last question, because I know that your time is quite limited. Um, you were talking there that Slovenia is, of course, talking to money. What about the private companies? Now, I know that you did work um, at Uber in another life. So, you know, given your history with them, how on board do you think companies like Uber will be moved towards automation? And especially when Uber is um, a hired company that's run with, you know, human drivers. So, how would you say companies like Uber would, would really be able to take up that challenge? Are they willing to? I think that's a great question. And uh, frankly, nobody knows how the future of mobility will look like. But I, I firmly believe that it's going to be, you know, shared, autonomous and electric mobility all at the same time, which means that these different technologies go very much hand in hand. Therefore, there's enough space for companies like Uber and other ride sharing providers uh, to basically facilitate this transition which will not happen over time. And this is important to highlight because there's been a lot of, um, I would say, fears or skepticism. People were thinking that this kind of technology can get deployed literally overnight. Well, it can't. This kind of transition will last for years, if not decades. Um, I believe that firstly, it will start in logistical sector. I think trucks will become automated sooner than private cars. Um, so this transition will be gradual, which means that even the people that uh, drive for a living will have plenty of time to basically adjust, retrain and uh, find other jobs. So I, I'd say that uh, a lot of fears when it comes to self-driving technology um, are misplaced. But again, we need the technology that works. And I think we're very far at the moment, but we're not there yet. And then, of course, as I mentioned, we need the regulatory environment, which supports this kind of technology. And then in the end, we need people's trust. And trust is super important. I can tell you, uh, as you mentioned, I worked for Uber, and I took a couple of rides with uh, Uber self-driving cars in the US. And I can tell you from my personal experience, this was scary in the beginning. But after a couple of minutes, you become totally used to it. And in the end, I can say that you trust the technology more than um, yourself when you're driving. So um, this kind of people's trust will have to be earned. And again, this process will take time. It will. And it's interesting there that you say that you initially were quite scared. Um, okay, so Boris Androgenic, uh, Mark Boris Androgenic, um, Slovenian Minister of Digital Transformation, thank you so much for, for being part of this Euractiv debate. Thank you so much.
Okay, well, they have been waiting patiently, and we will now move over to our um, group of panelists um, and see what they, of course, think, um, not only about what the minister said, but the whole conversation um, surrounding AV. So let me introduce you to our panelists. And we have Gert van der Linden, uh, Policy Officer for Sustainable and Intelligent Transport at DigiMove at the European Commission. We also have Hanna Verkunin, MEP, and member of the Industry and Transport Committees at the European Parliament. Um, we also have Stefan Dix, the Director of EU Car, the EU Council of Automotive R&D. We also have Johannes Springer, the Director of 5GAA, um, an automotive association focused on the future of mobility and transportation services. And then lastly, but not least, um, we have Majay um, Resource, who's the researcher at Barcelona Tech um, University as well. So thanks to all of you for, of course, being a part um, of our year active debate. Um, and now to understand who these panelists are, what they do, what their arguments are, I'm, I'm now going to give them the floor for a couple of minutes. Um, so first, we'll go to Gert van der Linden from the European Commission. Please do take the floor. Thank you very much, Mariam, and, and thank you also for that fantastic uh, introduction. Uh, I heard so many things that I, I fully agree with, and so I will not have to repeat them. Uh, just to say that, indeed, the future, and, and I also don't have a crystal ball, so I'm, I'm not sure when this will all materialize, but it indeed needs to be both sustainable and smart. Uh, to put that into context, we will have achieved very little if the future would all be about zero emission traffic jams. We, we want to be smarter, we want to tackle all challenges in, in transport. And, and I agree, we have a lot of work ahead of us and there are many challenges, but I see them as opportunities. Uh, we, we, we know we can deal with this, uh, but one of the key elements to success will be collaboration. This is not something that uh, any company or any member state can achieve alone. It, it, we need to make sure that we think about how these autonomous vehicles will be used in the future and how they will improve mobility, how they will increase safety, how they will increase the inclusiveness of transport and how we will all become better served, spend less time uh, in traffic jams uh, and the likes. And for that, we've been working a lot on improving the situation. We, uh, I heard many uh, comments earlier on, for example, the uh, investment in R&D. And well, I, I'm glad to say that under Horizon Europe, we have created a dedicated partnership to work specifically on that. And we've earmarked half a billion euros of the uh, union budget to accelerating the research and development of autonomous vehicles. This goes together with uh, lots of uh, continued investments uh, through the, the Connecting Europe facility, which will, which is a lot of stuff that we can do today, which will help improve safety today and still help prepare for a more automated future. And finally, uh, one other action highlighted in the sustainable and smart mobility strategy is we've revised the ITS directive and we will work with member states to increase increase our ambition levels and get better and more accurate data available for drivers today and automated vehicles in the future. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Um, moving on to um, Hannah Verkunen, MEP, um, please do take the floor. 
Yes, thank you so much. And first of all, I would like to also say that uh, the keynote speech of the minister, Andrei Janik, it was really brilliant. I think he was really outlining the most important issues to where we should focus, I think, in, in Europe. I have to say that personally, I'm a big fan of autonomous vehicles and I have been a little bit disappointed that the progress haven't been so fast. Five years ago, I was expecting that we are moving much, much uh, faster towards uh, autonomous vehicles. But of course, we know what is also the explanation for that during the last years, because of the COVID restrictions, we have had so many challenges with uh, logistics and so much restrictions um, in transportation and free movement. So uh, that there haven't been really, I think, appetite uh, to invest to autonomous vehicles, but hopefully now we can boost the investments in, in this area in, in Europe also. And the two main areas where I think that we need invest, investments and where, to where we have to focus, it's the technology and of course also the infrastructure part. And like the representative from the Commission said, uh, the tools, how we can support them in the European level, it's a uh, uh, Horizon Europe program and then also connecting Europe facility program. Uh, these, for example, these funds we can we can um, uh, use for these purposes. But of course, like Minister already said, the regulatory framework. I think it's the key, really, that how we can boost investments and innovations in this area in European Union. And uh, I think to where we have to pay attention now. In the same time, when we are boosting investments and making sure that we have good. Uh, legislative framework, it's really the trust to technology and their cybersecurity uh, is crucial. And then we have to also discuss about the ethics, uh, under which conditions so we are using these autonomous vehicles. And also, like it was said already, the liability requirement uh, uh, that, and sharing the responsibilities and, and risks here. And then also the data, of course, and it's part of the cybersecurity and part of the innovations that who owns the data and who is processing it and who is protecting the data. I think these are very important uh, uh, questions to where we have to focus now in, in Europe to make sure that we can invest, uh, invest um, we can encourage investments and innovations in, in this field. Because like it was said already earlier, I think also that the autonomous vehicles, it's very important part also uh, decarbonizing, or the decarbonizing our uh, transportation and in the same time I think because of the AI we can also make our transport more safe in the future. So we can have more safe, uh, more environmental friendly uh, transport and I think also better for the people because in the future everybody doesn't have to own own car. We can also use that kind of sharing uh, services in the future. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much. And I can say I do not own my own car. I absolutely hate driving, so I'm all for AV. Um, okay, over to our next speaker. We have uh, Stefan Dix, the Director of EU Car, which is, of course, the EU Council of Automated R&D. Mr. Dix, if you'd like to go, and, uh, go forward and give us your opening statement, please. Thank you, Mariam. Um, Yes, UCAR is the research association of the automotive OEMs in Europe. And uh, we re represent, of course, the manufacturers uh, that are investing quite a lot in, in R&D per year, more than 60 billion euros. And uh, 11, more than 11% of our workforce is working in research in R&D. 
uh, at the automotive industry. Now, um, of course, uh, our vision is to strive for sustainable, safe, uh, efficient and clean road transport solutions, providing freedom of mobility to all with benefits to users and the society. And the key element, as um, the speakers and the minister said, uh, connected and automated vehicle technologies in the future will provide prospects to support the Vision Zero targets, to reduce transport emissions and congestion, and provide individual mobility, particularly to those that were not able to use individual mobility. So uh, it will have a remarkable economic impact and um, it will shift uh, the design of uh, vehicles from uh, driver-centered uh, development towards a mobility user-centered development. Uh, and therefore, you can members drive these uh, developments and uh, the development of the technologies already for quite some time. Um, but I remember that uh, more than seven years ago, I, I said uh, automation, uh, automation is, is not a sprint. It is going to be a marathon. We need a stepwise approach. We need to be very careful. And one of the key factors here is safety. Safety is the critical issue. We need to, we, we got to do it right. We need to do it right. Uh, and we need to improve road safety by addressing the human errors. Now, we need to consider all these safety aspects at each system level uh, and every development stage. So from the, from, the, uh, the, from the design to the testing to the validation, we need to make sure that our solutions are safe um, to be used for the users. Now, um, what do we need to do concretely? We need to look at the current limitations of technologies uh, and uh, we, we look at this in different levels. So, uh, the levels, the so-called so SEE levels of automation, but I will not go into detail here. What we need to work on is being able to have um, to use uh, automation for uh, increasing the speeds. Currently, the limitation are uh, around 40 kph, so we need to look how we can increase the speed. We need to look at the operational domains, uh, the operational design domains, uh, and the complexity of the traffic system that the solutions can run in and the limiting factors of the environment, so the weather conditions, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these challenges we need to address, uh, and we need to do this together uh, across the industry sectors, across the research areas, um, not only the vehicle manufacturers, but we need to do it together with the public sector, we need to do it with the cities, with the road authorities, uh, and we need a partnership. And Gerhard van der Linden from the European Commission already um, announced this, so this, this partnership for connected, cooperative and automated mobility is, of course, uh, a, a wonderful opportunity to work together with all the stakeholders on these challenges and make sure that we're able uh, in the coming years to implement automation. And I will stop here and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. Dix. And, you know, you bringing up their safety, that's going to be one of my first questions to all the panellists. But first of all, let's continue with our um, with our um, panellists and their addresses. And next we go to Madjay Wilgos um, from CBC Computer Vision Centre, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems Department um, in Barcelona, Spain. Please do take the floor. Thank you for, uh, for a chance to, to be here and to, to share thoughts with you. Uh, I will be talking from the perspective of, of research and uh, development a little bit as a researcher. I'm uh, 
quite optimistic about the future of uh, autonomous vehicles. Uh, nevertheless, I see a lot of challenges uh, related to it. Uh, the project that uh, I'm uh, dealing with uh, is, is related to, to corner cases. You mentioned about safety. Uh, the, the panelists also mentioned about safety. And I think this is the uh, critical um, component. And uh, uh, once we observe, for instance, the um, development of uh, Tesla vehicles, uh, the promises uh, given by um, CEO uh, of the Tesla, Elon Musk, and uh, EGR, he promises uh, that uh, next year will be the, 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 the time when Tesla autopilot is, is, is to be like uh, in full operation mode, but the problems with, with uh, corner cases, situations which are quite rare, but very uh, critical in terms of, of uh, safety still exist. And uh, despite uh, addressing many of them, the new, new, new pop up. So, on one hand, uh, I, I'm really optimistic and uh, and see the huge benefits of, of uh, like uh, introducing uh, autonomous autonomous vehicles in our lives. But on the flip side, uh, I keep like uh, wondering whether the the problem with with uh, safety with those uh, rare cases is uh, like fundamental one or is it something that we can actually gradually uh, and uh, quite uh, quickly solve? So I'm looking forward to, to our discussion and uh, sharing thoughts with, with the rest of the team. Okay, uh, Dr. Madjay Wilgos, thank you so much. And you also brought safety there. So that's definitely something that, of course, we a massive theme that we are going to be touching upon. Um, and then to our last panelist, uh, Johannes Springer, Director General at 5GAA, an automotive association, of course, focused on the future of mobility and transportation services. Please do take the floor. Yeah, thank you very much, Mariam, and uh, happy to be part of this great panel today. Um, I'm representing the uh, automotive and the telecommunications industry. The 5G Automotive Association brings together these two industries. So all the car manufacturers, uh, their big uh, uh, first tier suppliers, uh, the telco industry with the supplier industry, as well as the tech companies, those who are providing technology pieces, uh, very important uh, hardware, but also software pieces. Uh, for connected and automated mobility are aligned in this uh, global association. So we are more than 120 members uh, around the globe. Uh, so what what is our perspective on connected and automated mobility? Uh, first of all, of course, the car manufacturers are, are um, investing heavily. Um, all the cars who are leaving today, um, the, the assembly line, they are already connected with cellular um, connectivity and uh, they can use the cellular connectivity for several purposes and of course the degree of automation is increased um, 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 each each year um, we don't believe that this will be a let's say a disruptive approach in terms of uh, we have um, let's say on the one hand side manually driven and on the other hand side automotive uh, automated driven 
vehicles, we see um, an increase in gradually improving the automation degree uh, over time, for instance, for certain uh, specific use cases uh, like, um, like uh, automated valley parking, for instance, and uh, such kind of use cases where the customer is willing to pay also for this type of uh, degree uh, of, of automation. The network operators, of course, doing also um, their job um, in terms of uh, providing the mobile networks and the coverage uh, for all these type of use cases alongside the roads, but also in garages and all these kind of, let's say, corner use cases where connectivity is needed uh, to make this data exchange between the various traffic participants happen. I would like to stress uh, maybe also a bit leading into the discussion uh, two points which I missed a bit uh, also in the earlier talks. So first of all, when it comes to safety, it's not only about the cars um, who are suffering uh, from, from, uh, from safety uh, or the drivers and the passengers in the vehicles, but of course also the pedestrians and, and, uh, and the other so-called vulnerable road users. And of course, uh, from a telco operator perspective, these are also our customers, uh, of course, also clear. Uh, from a society perspective, we need to take care about them. Um, even in the cities, there are more than 80% of the fatalities which who are sitting not in the vehicle. So addressing specifically the safety needs of VRUs uh, is, is uh, from my perspective, uh, one very important factor. And the second very important factor where regulatory systems and frameworks need to play, need to pay more attention to it is the digitalization of the road infrastructure. So we had 15 years of uh, ITS uh, frameworks and directives uh, track record, and we, we are still facing a lot of um, challenges and a lot of issues uh, to get access to this very valuable data out of the road infrastructure. And this is also a very important um, player, ecosystem player in this connected and automated mobility uh, ecosystem. So digitalization of the road infrastructure of the static, but also of the dynamic infrastructure, the traffic lights, the variable message signs, the roadwork indicators, and all these things, which are very often also creating the corner cases we have uh, heard about. This is uh, something we need to uh, take attention to. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And that communication and what happens when that car isn't on the road is really important. Okay, well, let's open up this debate then. And a quick question I want to throw to all the panelists. Um, you can apply in the order in which you have, of course, spoken in one or a few words. Now, I've heard you all say safety. Um, you also talked about cybersecurity, regulation, etc. But in one or a few words, what do you, what would, in your opinion, is the one big factor that is really holding back self-driving cars? Uh, Mr. Van der Linden, if you go first. Uh, I think it's just it's a challenging thing. It's a big ask. Um, we, we, we tend to underestimate how good humans are at quickly understanding a situation and, and taking a decision. And, and I think for automated vehicles, we have on the one hand, and really justified, very high expectations, but it is a big ask. And, and I think that we wouldn't be happy. Nobody would be accepting that an automated vehicle would be as good as a human. Uh, I think the expectation is that the automated vehicle is much better than a human. Uh, and that is just a big ask. And the answer needs to be that we we need to work together. So yes, there is uh, there are technological challenges that uh, we are still working on, uh, but it needs to be a joint effort with the infrastructure, 
it needs to be we need to have better data available and together uh, over time we will get there but it is it is just a big ask okay miss verkunen then so is it a big ask in what opinion then is the one big factor those holding back these self-driving vehicles from being on the roads yeah i think the most important investments we have to do it's for the infrastructure i think we need very smart and modern infrastructure transport and also digital infrastructure and we have to combine them and of course today we are also speaking about clean energy it has to be also combined with this smart and modern infrastructure so i think these investments are really needed of course we have many testing areas already in europe i think uh, most of the member states are having some kind of testing areas for autonomous vehicles but uh, we don't have proper infrastructure that they could be used in, in their bigger area yet so i think this is the main challenge we are facing Okay, Stefan Dix, is infrastructure the main challenge? What what would you say? Very quickly, please. I I, I would agree with uh, with with Gert and and Hannah uh, that the the key challenge is really to uh, make sure that we get it right. Um, and getting it right means that we validate the safe use uh, and the interaction with all the users. So. Um, the adoption of the technology is something, and we, we do that by testing uh, at a large scale the technology and looking how the users are interacting with the vehicle, with from the outside with the vehicle, and how safe the vehicles are, are, are running on a daily basis. So we need to, to get it right. We need to get to validate the safety, and we need to make sure that all stakeholders that are involved in, uh, in this technology deployment are working together not only on the research path, but as well on the regulatory actions that are needed to make it possible to deploy the technologies. And these things need to run in parallel. And, and that is so important now. Okay, and then Dr. Maciej Wilgos, in your opinion, what's the biggest issue holding all of it back? Uh, I will uh, like uh, mention again this 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 challenge with with those rare cases and as Johannes uh, uh, also mentioned uh, the role of pedestrians and uh, yeah and as we can see that uh, virtually all drivers human drivers are um, pedestrians yeah so once uh, uh, we as a, as a drivers make decisions. We we already have model of of uh, behavior, pedestrian behavior, because we we uh, we are uh, ones quite often. So I think the the biggest challenge is uh, uh, like human uh, AV interaction and addressing uh, corner cases. Okay, and then Mr. Springer. Then just lastly. What do you think is the biggest problem or biggest issue? Yeah, as, okay. So as 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 Gerd has already said, you know, this safety is very much about decision making uh, to make the appropriate decisions, and decision making is about situational awareness. And what is situational awareness? If information is missing, which is relevant to interpret to perceive a specific situation or if the information which is relevant is simply coming too late, then appropriate decision cannot be made. And this exactly um, uh, causes very often severe accidents. So to provide as much as possible information to the vehicle, to the 
driver or to the automated system uh, within the vehicle and to make sure that this information uh, reaches the vehicle in advance properly so that uh, the vehicle has enough time to react accordingly. This is, uh, from my perspective, the, the most important challenge. And of course, connectivity in all these uh, uh, um, uh, flavors plays a very important role to provide this information properly to the vehicle. Okay, well, I hope that everyone, of course, who is watching this debate has got a real, you know, good sense of what the, the problems are that are sort of stagnating as to getting to, um, you know, automated vehicles on the road. Okay, I'm going to open up now um, the debate even further to individual questions now. Um, and first of all, we'll go to Dr. Medjay. So, you know, given what you say, that you say the biggest issue here is the interaction between you know, AI and then also the human interaction. So are you cautious or optimistic um, about what the future holds? Is it a really realistic ambition that we all have to have, you know, these automated cars on the roads sometime quite soon? Uh, I'm optimistic about it, uh, but uh, uh, I'm not sure if uh, this is like a, big hurdle like is it like the uh, like parad paradigm change required in the current ai systems because we we have already observed like two ai winters there were times in like in 20th century where there was a huge uh, expectation that uh, uh, AI, uh, ai solution will uh, grow really fast and in, in, introduce robots quite soon and there was a collapse and uh, now uh, we still observe the uh, quite uh, decent progress and uh, the challenge is that those AV uh, agents uh, are quite a lot trained based on data simulation and uh, taken from like traffic but we as uh, humans we uh, find ourselves in very different situations we we were kids we know how kids kids behave so once we drive we can easily create a model of of uh, the kid behavior quite predict that what may happen we were like uh, riding a bike but those av agents train in simulation on train or, or a lot of data as a vehicles they are deprived of such uh, uh, multi-domain information so if you are able to incorporate this information to create more diverse uh, simulation environments or training environments for those av agents i think we can progress quite fast but if we if we find some obstacle obstacles on this way i think this can take longer to um understand what you said there are you saying that humans can't catch up to ai or that the ai isn't intuitive enough at this stage uh, i i uh, what, what I meant is that uh, uh, there is a gap. There is a gap between perception of, of AI and uh, the way that uh, people behave. And 
in order to bridge this gap, we'll need to introduce some other measures, which are not implemented like to its full potential yet. Could you detail maybe some other measures that you think are important there? Just quickly before we go to another panelist. To make AI more like friendly to uh, uh, to humans, we need to introduce a, a new way of training those algorithms that would incorporate different modalities, different uh, uh, like different scenarios that. Uh, would enable algorithms to uh, account for humans behavior so for example once we train uh, av agents and we only train it like train it uh, based on the car behavior maybe we could also we, we could also train it also like uh, how pedestrians will behave so this would make it more uh, 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 friendly towards people. Uh, so this could be just one example of what we could do in order to maybe a little bit bridge this gap. Okay. Um, well, let's pick up on your point there, um, Gert Vanderlyn from the European Commission. Um, what do you think about what Dr. Madjay just said there about, you know, improving AI and its algorithms? No, I fully agree with him. Um, I think that, I mean, that, that ex explains what I meant with it's a big ask because we're, we're expecting an automated vehicle to think like a human. It, and indeed, we, I mean, we, we grew up, uh, we, we are humans. We, we are better suited at predicting what other humans will do. Uh, where for automated vehicles, they, they may have uh, a lot more eyes, cameras, lidars than we do and they may have better vision, but they're not as good as understanding what they're looking at. And so it, it is a big challenge. Um, but, but linking it to what you said earlier, first of all, automated vehicles are already on our roads. Um, but, and Stefan hinted at this earlier, that what we're doing today is to make sure it stays safe is we introduce limitations. So we make sure that these automated vehicles uh, do not enter in too complex traffic situations. We limit the speed so that they have more time to react. Uh, and, and we maybe even we will try to make sure that we do, they do not interact, for example, with pedestrians. We just separate them. And, and that means that we can keep it safe, but it also very much limits the, the usability of these vehicles right now. They're not ready yet to replace humans and that means that we can also not achieve yet the the dream that the minister depicted for us when he said we can reduce the fleet by 90 percent uh, because those 10 percent of robot taxis will not be able to drive us uh, to all the places where we are currently driving ourselves and and to, so our big challenge is to overcome those limitations make sure that we can increase the speed, that we can increase the complexity that these vehicles can be able to deal with, and, and so that we develop the mobility services that we need so that these vehicles can complement existing transport that, uh, for example, a robot taxi uh, picks me up at my home and drops me at the train station. 
and and, and that's where we need to get. Uh, I think that it, it will indeed be gradual. Uh, we will tackle it one corner case at a time until we're confident that um, we can put vehicles on the road and deliver the mobility services that we need. Okay, so just a quick follow-up then. What about designated the um, means and say motorways? Could that be something that could be a solution? They're not mixing with normal traffic, the human traffic. Uh, well, that is, of course, indeed a challenge. I mean, you, you put an automated vehicle into a normal traffic situation. Uh, I mean, we've all experienced that you, you come to a crossing and, you know, you, you just wave the other driver past. And if, if you look across and you see no driver in, in, in that vehicle, uh, I'm sure that uh, at first that will be a little bit disconcerting. Um, and, and in that case, indeed, uh, I, I very much agree with what Johanna said earlier, communication is, is one of the tools to, to address uh, that. And, and it is a challenge. Now, I don't think we will be able to separate automated vehicles from traditional traffic, uh, not entirely. If, if we need to create a parallel road network for this to work, well, then it will not work because we do not have the time, the space, or the resources to build such a parallel road network. So uh, a lot of work, and, and again, this, this points to what I said earlier about collaboration. We, we need to work together with, with local authorities to, to discuss how we can best introduce gradually these vehicles to get everybody uh, to get used to them, to understand how they work, what their limitations are, how we interact with these vehicles, so that people uh, have time to build trust, not only as passengers, but also as as you encounter such vehicles when you're a pedestrian, when you're a cyclist, or when you're in your own vehicle. Okay, um, so let's go to um, our MEP, um, the representative of uh, European people. Um, do you think that the average population has that trust then in AV? I mean, obviously everyone is excited by the leaps and bounds um, of technology, but do you think, have you gotten the sense from people, um, perhaps your constituents, et cetera, that they really do want to embrace AV and to have you know, self-driving cars on the road? Yeah, I, I think that the citizens are not really ready for that yet because uh, of course, uh, most of us, we haven't had the opportunity to test these autonomous vehicles yet. But for example, I know from, from my own uh, uh, member states from where I'm coming from Finland, I know that the people are very interested in this kind of new technologies, but uh, like they don't trust these autonomous vehicles yet. So I think there was in the latest opinion poll, I have seen about 50% was quite skeptical on that, that how, how safe uh, they are. And for example, in Finland, we have some special issues here because we have uh, very difficult winter conditions, for example, and it has been challenging for those vehicles where we have had these uh, testing opportunities in Finland. We, we saw that uh, navigation in the ice and the snow conditions, it's not so easy for these autonomous vehicles. So more research and development is, for example, needed in this area when we have winter conditions in Finland. But uh, anyway, I think uh, that uh, most of the peoples are, people are interested in these kind of opportunities, but uh, of course, we know that um, a lot of work is still ahead of us with uh, technology, with the research and development, and especially, I think, with the safety, safety issues, what was mentioned here already. 
Okay. Um, right. Uh, Mr. Springer, then, just quickly before we do go to some audience, uh, what's your take then um, on what you're hearing by the colleagues in this debate talking about, especially when it comes to safety? I think uh, what I said earlier, um, if we are talking about uh, automated driving, we should be careful about the narrative we are creating uh, for automation. Um, as I said, you know, the fully autonomous vehicle which drives us um, everywhere to any place where we want to go, this is really something which would be very ambitious. But, but to have automated driving in limited areas, for instance, uh, for parking at an airport or with a limited speed, what Gert has also said, limited speed for public transport to, to take to take the bus driver uh, out of the out of the cost equation of the public transport um, uh, organizations. That is something I'm, I'm truly believe that this will happen uh, in a foreseeable uh, time frame. The whole industry also we as 5G Automotive Association working into this direction. So we have also a clear, quite clear vision uh, at what um, um, time um, windows this, this will happen. And this is not 10 years away. This is about two to five years away. So I'm pretty sure that, that we will see these type of use cases on the road, but of course not as a, let's say, one by one exchange of uh, manual driving as we see it today. Okay, perfect. Uh, well, now we're going to go to do some audience questions. Um, and the first one is from Mr. Vanderlyn from the European Commission. It's from Mariana from Eurographics. Um, and they ask, and they say that some Eurographic members have their impression that the role that public sector geodata plays or could play as a basis and supplement for the specialized data is not mentioned in the ITS package. They ask for your view on that. Please go ahead. What do you think? Well, um, the, the ITS directive uh, is currently being revised. The Commission adopted it on the 14th of December last year. And what we're trying to do is precisely to increase the availability of data. Uh, and, and, and I am talking about uh, mainly public sector data. Uh, that means, indeed, having basic information such as speed limits, uh, traffic circulation plans, um, that they are available to both human drivers today uh, to assist them, but also for automated vehicles in the future. Because this is data that is in the hands of public authorities and that is subject to more change than one would imagine. And it is, although databases exist, um, also developed mainly by the private sector, it is very difficult to keep these up to date. And, and so increasing this availability of data, this is precisely what we're aiming for with this revision. So we are working on this. Uh, we, we've been working on this for quite some time, but we now need to really step up and make date, more data available. Okay, perfect. Uh, Ms. Vercunin, I'm going to come to you next with this one. And um, we have Jakob Krupa from MLEX, and he's asking, what are the key regulatory developments you would like to see 
um, and if they're crucial to fully unlock the benefits of autonomous vehicles. Um, and just before I do um, give you the floor, um, looking at KPMG's index, they say the top five countries for AV are, of course, and I'm sure you're all aware of this, Singapore, the Netherlands, the US, Norway and Finland. And Netherlands, Netherlands has the highest ranking infrastructure, Finland, for AV regulation. So what are your thoughts on what Jakob Krupa has asked about regulation? Of course, in the, in the European level, I think it's very important that we have one common framework uh, in, in Europe that how we can really uh, encourage uh, innovations in, in these areas. And I think this current leg legislation, what was already mentioned, our uh, intelligent, intelligent Transport Services, ITS regulation, I think it's uh, very important. As, and data regulation as well. And the parliament is working currently with both of these. So I think these are very important tools because the sharing of the data and sharing the information, uh, it's very important for, for that kind of innovations like autonomous vehicles. And uh, in the same time, when we're looking at these regulations, uh, all the time we are also speaking about cybersecurity, that is there more we could do in the European level also ma make that sure that it's also cybersecurity is also taken care in this area. And uh, always when we speak about regulation and legislation, um, in the same time, we have to also look the funding part that how we could also uh fund the investments in this area of course most of the investments will be private investments but we we can also use public funding for that and there i think really the horizon europe program and connecting in europe facility program they are playing the key drivers also in the european level okay um it's seven dicks um you've been a little bit quiet here so i've got a question i'm going to direct towards you um, Frank asks that autonomous vehicles rely massively on electronics to meet market uh, customer expectations. Don't you think that Europe needs firstly to close the gap on this issue before accelerating in the field of AV? He goes on to say, is there a compatible schedule with the European CHIPS Act regarding this issue, Mr Dix? Is Mr. Dix, can you hear us? If not, I, I will. I hope you can hear me. Um, I have uh, some connectivity yes. issues here. Um. Please go ahead. We all have spotty Wi-Fi, I'm sure, and I'm sure all of our viewers watching online, our audience online, understand um, that there's an issue too. So please go ahead. Yeah. So, um, yes, um, we, we have, of course, the, we, we, re we rely on the information that we get from uh, within the vehicles, so from through the sensor systems and that we are able to process in the vehicle. So it is important to, to, to make sure that we have the availability of, uh, of the technologies. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's, of course, an issue. Um, but at the same time, we need to uh, we need to understand even if the the, the new technologies like um, like artificial intelligence, how they will change the way that we think of the vehicles in the future. So um, 
because currently we, we look at the vehicles as a very deterministic system. We, we know what is going to happen and what it's used for. Uh, and in the future, th that might change. So we need to see how all new technologies that we will bring into the vehicle will actually affect the way that we uh, look at how the, the vehicles are being regulated and how the vehicles are being um, uh, are being looked at in, in terms of safety validation, as we said before. Um, so, yes, it is important to look at, uh, at the electronics and at the components, uh, but we need to work in parallel on the R&D issues uh, that we said before uh, to make it happen. Okay, perfect. And then, Mrs. Springer, would you also like to jump in there on that, that question about electronics? Well, it's, it's today a, a big challenge um, uh, to, to get access to the to the chipsets. All of our um, car manufacturers and, and suppliers are suffering from from getting access to that. So to to strengthen um, also the the capacity and the capabilities of Europe uh, to produce these type of uh, chipsets and infrastructure, which is essential for for the car today, not only of the car of the future, but also today. Uh, it's definitely an important um, an important topic. Yeah. Um, so to to get access to silicon is is an, is a very important thing. But I would also mention that um, silicon is of course um, always uh, let's say the materialization of intellectual property. So R and D, and also to spend efforts in in R and D and in standardization is uh, is a very important topic. Yeah. Standardization is a key factor. In connected and automated driving, um, it, it takes place around the globe, so it is not limited to only specific areas. Of course, it will come at certain regional areas first, and, and then will come uh, later in, in other areas. The car industry is a global market; it's a global industry. So, this type of standardization and um, investing into intellectual properties, which are then um, driving uh, the, the global standardization, is also very important. A topic in this direction. Okay, well, staying on technology, we also have a question from George, who's basically asking and saying that Tesla and other leading companies don't use 5G. So why should they then be used for autonomous um, driving or autonomous vehicles? And Dr. Maciej, what do you think? I think that uh, also in uh, in light of uh, what Johannes uh, uh, mentioned is that uh, uh, one uh, approach to circumnavigate uh, 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 shortages and, and uh, problems of, of, of uh, components, uh, electronic components, uh, uh, also in the long run, would be simplification of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, solutions or maybe relying more on software uh, side or... Uh, uh, creating better better AI algorithms that would uh, uh, not require that much uh, hardware. For instance, uh, Tesla is uh, in favor of uh, just uh, camera, so they 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 uh, aim at creating uh, uh, systems that uh, do not uh, uh, use lidars. So I think that. Uh, this uh, approach may uh, uh, may be may, may help to uh, um, to reduce the amount of hardware and once we for instance lo look at the evolution of computers let 
computers from like 40 years ago, huge mach machines. Now we have the same computing power in our cell phones, so which are significantly smaller. So this is uh, one approach to to uh, like uh, on one hand make the the technology more available. On a, on the other way, uh, address this problem of of of, uh, uh, of hardware. Of course, this is this is this is a challenging issue. And I'm not sure if Tesla is on the right track. What what they what they are doing basically they they uh, uh, solve uh, create more and more advanced uh, 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 environments to train um, uh, AV agents using uh, uh, corner cases that they 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 find the, the those challenges cases that they. Uh, find using the mm, huge fleet of cars they they, they run that those corner cases are used to, to improve the algorithms and and retrain them I'm not sure if this this is a, uh, this is a, this is efficient in the long run I'm not sure about the the, the this is efficient in the short run but I'm not sure about the long run but I, I perceive this approach as a as a mm, promising one, reduction of hardware. Right, um, so who would like to pick up on one specific point that was made there um, by Dr. Majay that Tesla is not on the right track. I don't think that's something that Elon Musk will be uh, happy to hear. Uh, perhaps, um, get Vandalin, you, you can take the floor for that one. Is Tesla, are companies, well, Let's, let's not just stick to Tesla, but are these, you know, um, companies, these big, massive uh, multinationals, et cetera, um, are they on the right track? We know that, of course, Apple wants to roll out a fleet. So who's making the right steps? Oh, well, I was going to say the same what you said earlier. Let's not focus on, on one specific uh, brand or, or uh, any. I'd like to stress another point. Um, I think what the question uh, was referring to is, can vehicles solve this in isolation? Can we look at just a single vehicle and can it deal with um, the, the, the driving task? And that's an understandable evolution. I mean, if, if you're in the business of building vehicles, then you look at your product. Can I improve that product? And, and it's a normal uh, evolution. Uh, but I think that to make real progress and, and to tackle the most challenging situations, the most complex traffic situations, we will need to look at vehicles as a system. We will need to have vehicles working together and we need to have vehicles working together with the infrastructure. Now, that of course introduces a, a, a different set of challenges because that means you need to cooperate, you need to rely on other people. We, we heard, for example, uh, correctly so, the availability of data. What is the point in having a connected vehicle if he has nobody to talk to? So it, it creates new challenges, but it creates also new opportunities. Because when vehicles, when you look at vehicles as a system, not only can it help create the situational awareness, uh, that I think it was Johannes who referred to that earlier, and it will help vehicles to understand their environment in, in ways that you cannot do simply with sensors, because it doesn't matter how many you add, 
you, you're always limited by the line of sight. And, and the second big opportunity that cooperation uh, in, introduces is that vehicles could start talking to each other. They could agree on how to, for example, execute certain maneuvers. Think about um, in the future, you would have highly automated vehicles and they have such reliable sensors that they're driving much closer to each other than humans would. And, and now imagine another vehicle wants to enter the highway. Oh, there simply won't be any space for it. So without communication, how will these vehicles arrange that? How will they create the space for their colleague to join uh, the, the, the ride? So I think that that is the, the, the real challenge. We need to go from looking at vehicles as, as uh, an individual vehicle on its own and looking at more at system level. That's a really interesting point to have made there. Um, and I'm sure everyone will um, have you know, understood that example very concretely. Uh, Stefan Dix, you wanted to comment as well. Yeah, uh, thank you. I, I think we should look at this um, from, a, from a neutral perspective when it comes to the technology. So we, we don't want to look at, um, is, it, is it 5G? Is it, uh, is it a camera system? Is it a LiDAR system? We look at it at what the technology need to be able to, to, um, to process and, um, uh, and, and then act uh, on. So understanding the, the environment, understanding the traffic situation, and then making the right choices. I, I think that is important. And for all of that, we need to understand what are the framework conditions, what are the, the, the standards of how we interact with, with the other vehicles, with the other traffic participants. Uh, and if, if we get that right, and if we're able to show to the society and the users that this is safe, um, and then they are able to adopt and to, to use the new technologies. So it's, it's not about this technology or that technology. It's really about to get it right um, as, as a system, as a system from the vehicle infrastructure uh, and the users. And, and that is the big challenge here that we need to, um, to manage. Okay, uh, Mr. Uh, Johannes Springer then, um, do you also agree with that, that it's not just about technology, but you have to get the technology right? Yeah, to get the technology right and to be neutral on the technology, because, you know, we are talking today about certain te technologies. Hannah has expressed her wishes uh, from five years ago. She wanted to have the automated driving vehicles very quickly uh, on the roads and, and was a bit uh, now disappointed. So that was five years ago. So now we are in 2022, and uh, we even uh, already talked today about uh, um, 6G, you know. So um, I think we cannot say that a certain technology will will solve that uh, issue. We need to have always a technology-neutral approach, and it will always a combination of various technologies, whether it comes from sensors, whether it comes from um, from connectivity, technologies or whether it comes from uh, several other um, uh, technologies which are relevant uh, for supporting this kind of cooperation what what uh, has uh, said you know cooperation is for us also a very important uh, topic when we are talking about traffic traffic is not an isolated issue where everybody um, is um, is um, uh, maximizing its own efficiency that that uh, does not work uh, so we need to come always uh, from a cooperative perspective to it. But we still need to face um, the challenge, the big challenge, that we need to um, um, 
take into consideration always a mixed traffic situation. We will have old cars, we will have new cars, we will have um, customers who are equipped with a phone, we will have other customers who don't use a phone, we will have connected traffic infrastructure and we don't have uh, uh, always connected traffic infrastructure. So that is something where we, where we need to work with that. And we need to define exactly the operational design domain and in all these different flavors that a certain degree of automation uh, can be fulfilled under certain conditions. And I think that's that's the important uh, that's the important so, issue. Let me just interject there because we are sort of running out of time. Then, um, so so that people can understand where the technology is at and how safe these cars can be on the roads, especially um, you know mixing with you know, human-driven cars. Um, what What is the technology like when it comes to the AI communicating, um, when it comes to the potential of it um, having an impact or an accident um, in in a high sort of traffic situation? What, what, what technology is in place now? Just, you know, talk us through that a little bit if you can. Is it for me the question or? Yes, Mrs. Springer, it was, it, it was for you. Yeah. So just, 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 just a quick. Ah, okay, up. okay. I, I didn't, I did, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. Go ahead. No, I, th I think you know, I, I think to, to, to connect as much as possible, everybody and everything on the road. That is, that is a very important topic. And as we are, um, um, as, uh, as a 5G Automotive Association, bringing the telco industry and the automotive industry together, we are working exactly into this direction. So to connect everything, to exchange information as much as possible, and to increase the situation, situation awareness for the different traffic participants, that is a very essential point. As I said, not only for the vehicles, we should not only limit the discussion to automated driving vehicles, if we make public investments into road infrastructure, into smart road infrastructure, also the pedestrians, also the cyclists, also the motorcyclists should get a benefit out of it and, and uh, to, to, to bring smart connectivity into this road infrastructure is definitely something uh, which is a very important key factor for us. Okay, well, panelists, unfortunately, um, we've had this fantastic debate, but we have now run out of time. I hope, of course, that everyone watching has enjoyed um, what you've heard, what's been discussed. So, unfortunately, we are going to have to leave it uh, here. But uh, Gert van der Linden, uh, Henna Verkunen, Stefan Dix, Dr. Medje Wilgos, Johannes Springer, and, of course, Mark Boris, Andreas Janik, thank you so much, of course, for being a part of this absolutely fantastic discussion. And, of course, to everyone who has been watching online, to all of you um, who sent in questions, you know, we really hope that you've really been given a flavour of the debate surrounding autonomous vehicles and their reality. I'm Rome Zaidi, and, and you've been watching a Euractiv debate supported by Alma Mater Europea. Take care and bye-bye.